Before I read today's scripture passage, there's something I want to name. As Kim reminded us, today is Father's Day. But it needs to be named that today, for some, is a good and joyous day to celebrate our fathers or to celebrate being a father. But for some, today is a hard day. For some, this may be your first or tenth Father's Day without your father. For some, you may not have the best relationship with your dad. For some, it may be the struggle of not being a father. And so for all the men in this space, thank you for for being a father to at least someone. And for all who struggle with today, along with all who celebrate, may God reach you wherever each of us may find ourselves this day. And will you please join me in prayer? Lord, we come to this place sometimes because we feel like we're supposed to. Sometimes it can so easily become routine. But Lord, we know that in the space that you speak, that you are here. And so Lord, we just invite you into this time, asking that your word be heard. Not any of mine. May you open our hearts and our ears so that we may hear from you. And may you remove any and all distractions. We trust in you this day. It's in your son's name. Amen. Today, our scripture passage comes from Romans chapter 8. And we'll be looking at verses 12 through 25. In Romans 8, we find Paul writing, So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the, fir- the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. In Matthew chapter 12, we find Jesus talking with people. That's where we often find Jesus. He loved to meet people and and to talk with them, to hear their stories, to be invited into their lives, to learn their names, not, may, not necessarily how society defined them, but their names. And he enjoyed to invite them into his life. He loved meeting people. And in Matthew 12, we encounter Jesus teaching and talking with people. And, and there were just so many people surrounding him it was hard to get near him because everyone just wanted to be near him, this man that everyone was hearing about. But the thing is, in Matthew 12, Jesus' mother Mary and his brothers, they come looking for him because they want to talk to him. They want some of his time and attention, but they can't get through. And so they relay a message through the crowd to let Jesus know that they were there. And so the message finally gets to Jesus, hey, your mom and your brothers are here and they want to talk to you. But in verse 50, Jesus responds to them, whoever does the will of my father is my mother and my brother and my sister. Whoever does the will of my father We don't know how his mom and brothers responded to that. But in that verse, we we catch a glimpse of something that Jesus was doing. Something that that Paul also writes about in today's passage. Because in in that verse, Jesus reimagines and reconstructs what it means to be family. That we are not just family with those who were related to by blood or marriage or adoption. But that those who do the will of God, those who know God and follow him together, that together we are family. And Paul picks up on this in Romans 8, where he says that those who are led by the Spirit of God, are children of God. 
those who are led by the Spirit of God, those who do the will of God. It's the same thing because we can't, if we are doing God's will, we are being led by the Spirit. Because if we're being honest, people can throw Bible verses at us and tell us what we're supposed to do. But if we do not know God, what point does it make other than some suggestions? But we do the will of God. We allow the Spirit of God to lead us when we know God. Because something changes, something has changed in each of our lives if, we're, if we choose to get up early on a Sunday morning when we don't have to and come to church. It's a choice. Being led by the Spirit, doing the will of God is a choice. And we're not going to do it just because someone tells us to. When we are led by the Spirit, we do the will of God. It's something inside us that's compelled. We call ourselves Christians because we, have, we are people who have come to know the life-changing power of Jesus' name. We are a people who know that, that God who is holy and perfect, who has called us to be faithful, who has told us what not to do, that in spite of knowing everything that we have done wrong, every way that we have disregarded his word, he thought enough of us to make sure that there is a way for us to know the power and truth of healing and forgiveness here and now. God thought enough of us to endure pain and death on a cross so that we could know who God is and who we are. That we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. That we are who scripture calls chosen and holy and precious. That no matter how many different ways each of us can come up with to disqualify ourselves, that God calls us worthy and that for each and every one of us, God has called to play a part in his story. In Christ, we learn our true identity. That we are God's. That each and every one of us is significant. That truly each of us has a part to play. That God has given us gifts. God has given us a part in his family. But the thing is that our identity in Christ isn't just as sons and daughters. And that's what we figure out here when we come to church. Church. 
We come here, we're drawn here. Because God never intended us to do life alone. God always intended us to do life with one another. But we come here all claiming the lordship of Jesus Christ, all coming here desiring to know him better, to be more faithful to his word. But we come here, eyes on him, but then we start to look around and we realize that our identity is also as brothers and sisters in Christ. That here together, that God has made us into a new family. And just as our blood families, we find the same the same element of brokenness at times, the same messes. Because we're all broken people. We're people where all of us are going to mess up. And all of us are going to be hurt by fellow believers. We come here and We live through what it means to be brothers and sisters. With people, I mean, just look around. There's there's so many different ways that we are different. And outside of Jesus, there there are so many ways that these differences could pull us apart. But it's Jesus who pulls us together. It is his name and his spirit that binds us together and makes us into a new family. It is because of the fact that we are a family of faith. It is because of the fact that we are bound together by Jesus' name. And led and strengthened and empowered by God's spirit is only because of that that we are able to get through every mess and valley and hardship and what it means to be broken people who, who do life together. But still, even though it's Jesus' name that binds us together and empowers us to get through everything, it's still not going to be easy. And all of us know that. It's not easy always to be family. But as Christians, there's a space that can truly that can truly strengthen and help us as we continue to figure out what it means to build our identities as sons and daughters of God and brothers and sisters in Christ. And that space is one of the most common spaces that we have. It's the table. A few years ago, my dad and I both read a book called Tablet to Table by uh, Professor and Pastor Leonard Sweet. 
this book I love. It was a hard book to read. Because Laird Sweet talks about all these studies that sociologists have done over the past probably 20, 30 years in trying to, to monitor human life and, and families and institutions and, and something that these sociologists believe that they have discovered is the true power of the table. Because 60 years ago, families would usually spend around 90 minutes at the dinner table. But today, if we're able to get to the table, it's usually less than 12 minutes. And how easy it is, how easy is it to sit at the table and to have TV screens and cell phones right there waiting to pull us away from the person sitting right across the table from us. I have some friends, and when we go to dinner, sometimes we call family time. And when someone calls family time, you have to put your phones at the center of the table face down, and you can't touch it unless you want to pay for everyone's meal. Steve Jobs... The guy who created all this technology, he did not allow any type of gadget near his table because he saw the importance of human interaction face-to-face. There is something so powerful about sitting across the table from someone, looking into their eyes and hearing their voice as they tell you about their day and as they hear about yours. Sociologists, as they did this research, they discovered that the table is so important to the formation of our identities. Because it's at the tables where stories are passed down to us, where relationships are strengthened. It's at the table where habits are formed of what we believe is important. It's at the table where we as Christians are able to pray together and to share about, to name where we have seen God at work in our lives. To make that a habit Because when we invite Christ to the table, it turns every table into holy ground. Where Christ is at the table, we are reminded of who he is and who we are, of our identities in him. But it's hard to make time. When everything else is competing for our time. It's hard to make time to meet a friend for a cup of coffee. It's hard to make time, especially with the number of activities that is available for kids nowadays, for families to make time 
to sit down and have a meal that lasts. Not necessarily the food itself, but the conversation. But the table. The table has been given to us by God as a place for us to come and to pause and to rest with one another. And to be reminded of what's important. But the table isn't just a space where we are formed. In Scripture, Jesus always created a bit of a scandal. One of my seminary professors encouraged us to go back through the Gospels and to read wherever Jesus chose to have food with someone or to sit at a table with them. And so often it was a scandal. Because Jesus didn't just eat with the people he was supposed to eat with. Jesus ate with the outcasts, the untouchables. He would eat with anyone and learn their name and talk to them. Every table that we claim as holy space to remind us of who we are because of Jesus is a table that also challenges us to remember that in this family of faith that we don't control the guest list, that we don't always control who's going to sit next to us at the table. We don't get to control who we call a brother or sister. The table is also space to challenge us and to remind us to leave a chair for someone else, to come and to talk, and to come and to, to find their place in God's family. My dad told a story at the 8.30 service about this man who his whole life he saved up to go on a cruise. That was the only thing he wanted to do. So he, he worked for years to save up the money to go on a cruise. But the one thing he knew was that he wouldn't be able to, to afford the food. And so he saved up his money, he bought his ticket on the cruise, and he packed peanut butter and bread. And every day, when it came time for the meals on the cruise, he'd go back to his cabin and eat his peanut butter sandwiches. But after a few days, he, he started getting irritated because everyone else was eating the food. And by the fifth day of the seventh-day cruise, he finally went up to someone working on the ship, and he said, what do I have to do? Just tell me I'll, I'll do anything if I can just have some of that food that everyone else is eating. You know, I didn't have the money to, to pay for the food along with this ticket. Just tell me what I have to do. 
And the person he was talking to looked at him and said, Sir, the meals are included in your ticket. He told him there, there was a chair and his name that had been waiting for him all week. He just didn't know he was invited. He didn't think to ask. There are a lot of people who are scared to ask. Or people who have been hurt being a part of a faith family or people who wonder, what does faith have to do with my life? People just waiting for someone who knows Jesus to come and to invite them to take a seat. And to have a conversation. The question is, will we make the time at a table to sit with others and to talk? And will we make the time and be bold enough to invite someone to come and sit with us so that they can know that they are invited to? Let us pray. Lord, you call us precious. You call us yours. But Lord, it can be so easy to forget that. To forget who we are because of you. Lord, may, may you just help us to make the time to slow down. To take a seat at a table with family, with friends, with one another. And to talk, to pray, and to remember who we are in you. And Lord, may we always be reminded by every empty chair we see that there's a son and daughter of yours in need of a seat, in need of the invitation to know that they have a place in your family at your table. Amen.